Well, good morning. We are uh, in part two of our hashtag Get Fit series. And how many of you got a lot fitter this week, um, shoveling some snow? How many of you kind of spent a little too much money on Amazon this week because you were actually at home, like in front of the computer all week? A few of you, yeah, me too as well. Well, we've got to part two of this hashtag Get Fit series. And uh, today we are going to be talking about hashtag Get Financially Fit. Now, what would I say to you if this morning I said, today you are going to walk out this room and you, you are going to have no more credit card debt. You are going to have no more student loans, no more mortgage to pay, no more home improvement loans, no more business loans loans, that you are going to be totally debt-free. How many of you would like give a scream and like, yeah, that would be great, right? Well, what would you say this morning if I told you that there was never such thing as a credit card? A credit card was never invented. A mortgage was never invented. There was no such thing ever as a student loan. Uh, there was never any car loans or business loans. How many of you would still live at the lifestyle that you live right now if you had never had those loans at all? Let me tell you, if those two situations you guys would be a lot wealthier than maybe what you are right now. You guys would actually be a lot more financially freer than maybe what you are right now. One scenario, you'd probably have everything that you want, but you'd be free of all the financial debt that you have. Uh, The other situation, you may not have what you always want all the time, but still at the end of your life, you would probably have a whole lot more money than you would if you go into debt and buy all this stuff. See, both these scenarios mean that you would not be drowning in thousands of dollars of interest and debt that you pay each and every year. So I did not grow up in the United States. And if you're not from Generation Church, you're like, wow, you've got such a great American accent. What's going on? Why didn't you grow up in the United States? I did not grow up in the United States, but we always looked growing up at people in the United States as the pinnacle of financial freedom. We looked at people and we were like, we want that American dream that those Americans have. We want to be able to drive those big cars that the Americans drive. We want to be able to own those big houses that Americans own. And if you are not from the United States, you understand the American dream probably better than people in the United States because you understand that that America is the land of prosperity and opportunity. So in 2005, I actually moved to the United States. First thing, I'm like, man, I'm getting myself a big old pickup truck. And no, I really didn't say that. But uh, I would actually like myself a big old pickup truck these days. But I moved to the United States and I discovered something that actually totally surprised me. I discovered that the American dream was actually a pipe dream. That the American dream was really a fraud that was built on a house of cards. Yes, America was the land of big cars and home ownership, but it was not about financial freedom. In fact, what I discovered that America was more about financial bondage. It was the land of opportunity, but that opportunity was the opportunity to actually go into debt. And then spend all your living, working life paying off that debt, paying back to the banks and the credit card companies. 
That's what I discovered. Did you know that the average family in the United States has $7,500 in credit card debt? Now, that encompasses all families. That, are fa- that, are, that includes families who have no credit card debt at all. Over the past 12 years, the cost of living has actually outpaced income in people's homes. Income has grown by 26% over the last 12 years, but the cost of food has increased 37%. Housing has increased 29%. Medical bills, I'm like, who like hates medical bills, has grown 51%. I'm not going to even say who's to blame for that. Well, things like entertainment and transport has actually not increased, and we've even seen, seen gas get lower. That really, compared to the other things, are minor. And the result is that the cost of living is so much more than what people are actually bringing home in their paycheck. The average household pays $6,658 in interest payments a year alone. Do you know what that results in? If you earn $20 an hour, that means after tax, you know, if you don't get a whole lot of tax breaks, you probably have to work probably around about 416 hours just to pay the interest on your credit cards and your bank loans and your mortgages. I want to show you another graphic. It's kind of a little small, so you may not be able to see it at the back. But this is the average debt in America by people who actually have these, uh, th- these things. So, for example, credit cards. People actually who have credit card debt, the average for people with credit card debt, so take away everybody who doesn't have credit card debt, and people who just have credit card debt, the average debt in the, per household in America is $15,355. And I can't even like, begin to fathom how many zeros like the whole of America owns in credit card debt. For people who have a mortgage, the average debt that the average household has is $165,892. Some of us are like, well, that's not bad. A mortgage is an investment, but the reality is, is you still are paying a whole lot of interest on that mortgage every single year. Did you know by the time that you pay your house, you're probably going to pay twice as much uh, in, in interest and in principal payments than what actually the house cost in the very beginning. Auto loans for people who have auto loans. I'm actually staggered by this one. But but the average household debt of people who have auto loans is $26,530. And that is an asset that just depreciates in value every single time that you drive it. Student loans. And this just goes up and up and up and up. Because if any of you have got kids in college or about to go to college, you know how crazy education is costing. Now, student loans, the average student loan, 47720 And then finally, just the average household in like debt, they have an average of $120,569 in debt, and that's any household in the United States. Can you say that we are a debt-ridden society, a debt-ridden culture? And the reality is this is that household debt has grown 15% faster in the last 12 years than income has grown. Actually, in 2009, when the recession happened, the difference between income 
and debt grew to 42%. So if we had another recession that hit again, I mean, it's like we are a house of cards that are ready to fall down. And one of the major factors in issues in a household, whether it's in a marriage or, or with kids or with depression, it's all to do with money. People are like, if I could just have money, then I would be better off. And let's be honest, we are a nation that wants to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not talking about the Joneses that we actually have here. We actually do have some Joneses. But the actual, like, the Joneses. We are a, 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 a nation that wants to keep up with the Joneses. And it has caused us to neglect some of the important areas of our lives, like our marriage, our family, and our faith. And the problem is this, what we don't see is that the Joneses are drowning in debt. And if we want to keep up with the Joneses, it means we have to be like them and we have to drown in debt as well. So you may ask, oh Alex, what does God say about all this? What does God say about debt? Well, I'll be honest, God has a whole lot of stuff to say about debt. Did you know in the Bible, there are about 500 verses, Bible verses on prayer. There are under 500 Bible verses on faith, and there are over 2,000 Bible verses on money and possessions. But yet, we don't like to talk about money in church because it makes us feel a little uncomfortable. And if you feel uncomfortable today, I'm okay with that. Why? Because the Bible has a whole lot to say. And if the Bible has a whole lot to say, we need to hear it. And the reality is, a lot of us, we need a reality check in, in, when it comes to our finances. And the reason the Bible has a whole lot to say about money is because the reality is, is the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. This is what the Apostle Paul said to his mentee, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verses 9 and 10. He said this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Then this is the key. He said this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So this is what he's saying. This money on its own is not evil. There's nothing wrong with money on its own. But the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and this morning, why we don't have time to read all 2,000 verses of the Bible, what it says about money, because we'd be here till next Sunday if that was the case. I do want to just share with you basically the principles of what the Bible says about money. And I've divided them up into three principles. So this is basically what the Bible says about money. The first thing the Bible says is this, freedom. God wants you to be free. The whole actual theme of the Bible is about freedom. God wants you to be free. See, bondage comes in many different forms. And the main bondage for humans is sin. See, sin made us unfree people. We became a slave to sin the day that Adam and Eve decided to eat of the apple in the garden. 
And Jesus, when Jesus came into this world, he came in for one purpose, and that was to free the world of sin. He came to bring freedom, not like in a Mel Gibson brave heart, freedom, but he came to bring freedom to your lives so that sin would no longer enslave you. You would be free of sin. See, Jesus was the only one in this world, in the history of this world, who could save you from that sin, who could free you from the slavery of sin. And one of the sins in the Bible that it talks about a lot, that we see throughout humanity, the history of humanity, is something called greed. Greed is a sin. And it has enslaved human beings from the beginning of time. If you remember, there was a guy called Cain and Abel, and Cain killed his brother Abel because he was jealous of Abel, because he wanted to give a better sacrifice to God, but he wanted to keep things for himself, so he killed his brother Abel. And see, greed is the intense, selfish desire for something, and the result of greed in our society is one four-letter word that begins with D, and it's called debt. Debt. I'm going to be straight with you today. Our society thinks it's okay to have debt. Right? Our culture, it promotes it. How many credit card offers do you get in the mail each week? I'm like, I get two a day, I'm sure. It's crazy how many credit card offers or loan offers or loan offers that you get. And our society and our culture thinks that debt is a good thing. Actually, you may speak to some financial advisors and they'll be like, it's good to go into debt. They'll say that. They'll say it's good to go into debt. But the Bible does not say one good thing about debt. There's no place in the Bible that the Bible says, you know what? It's good to go into debt. It's fine to go into debt. Actually, more often than not, the Bible has some really bad things to say about debt. And I'll be honest with you today. Not all debt is equal. You know, your, your credit card debt compared to your mortgage, they're different kinds of, of, of debt. But this is what debt does. Debt weighs you down with a really heavy weight. Like if if you guys didn't have debt, any debt at all, if you didn't have any bills that you had to pay, could you imagine the freedom that you'd feel in this life? The things that you would be able to do. And the quicker you can be free of debt, the quicker that you can start to find financial freedom. Actually, this is what Romans uh, chapter 13 and verse 8 says about debt. The Apostle Paul writing to the Roman church, he said this, Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of the law. This is what Paul's saying. He said, if you're going to owe anything to anybody, owe love. Don't owe debt to anyone. And this is the reason. Because the Bible at times is so against owing things to other people. It's because it becomes our focus. And when something becomes our focus, it starts to become our master. So let me ask you today. How many of you check your bank balance every single day? Wow, only a few of you. Like, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, wow, how many of you are in there right now? I even sometimes do it on a Sunday. I'm like, no, it's not going to show anything on a Sunday. Sunday's not a work day. How many of you check it like at least once a week? 
Well, that, that would be a little bit more sensible, right? How many of you check your retirement once a week? Okay, I would encourage you at the moment, don't check it at all because it's terrible. Don't check it for this last month because it's really bad. But often this is what happens. Our debt enslaves us. It becomes our focus. When we start owing things to other people, this is what Jesus said about it. Matthew chapter 24, uh, uh, sorry, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and you will love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. Then he says this, you cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and money. See, when money and debt become our focus, it becomes our master and we can't start serving them. And what did Paul say? He says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And people have gone away from the faith because... Of their love for money. See, we don't often realize it, but our debt turns us away from God. And when we turn away from God, we actually stop living in freedom and we start being enslaved again. See, when we live for God, we find freedom. When we turn from God, we, we, we find bondage and we, 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 we get enslaved by the things of this world. And see, true happiness is not found in money. You know that, I know that, but yet we still chase it because we always say this. If I had a little bit more money, I would be happy. True happiness is only found in one thing, and that is in the freedom of Jesus Christ. There's no other, pl- no other way that you can find true happiness. You, you can be happy for a moment, but if you want to find true happiness, the only way you can find true happiness, and that is through freedom in Jesus Christ, and God wants you to be free. Freedom is the theme of the Bible. He wants you to be free. And so often, debt and money, it enslaves us. One of the wisest men who ever lived, Solomon, says this in Ecclesiastes 5.10. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. How many of you, you've got a pay rise? And you're like, oh, if I could just get a 10% pay rise, then we would be fine. You get that 10% pay rise a year later, and you're thinking, man, if I could just get another 10% pay rise. Why? Because we live exactly to, to how much comes in. We, 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 we look at our lives, and, and we think, well, I've got this much to spend, so, so I'm going to live this. And, and the problem is, in the United States, a lot of the time, we live so much above our means, and we're not free. So God wants you to have freedom. The second thing the Bible says about money is this. Wisdom and integrity. Wisdom and integrity. God wants you to be wise with what you have. So the book of James tells us this. It says that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. See, God has blessed you and God wants you to be wise with that blessing. Did you know you, you may live paycheck to paycheck but the reality is, is you are still so much richer, 80% of the world. You still have so much more than 80%. God has blessed you. If you live in the United States of America, which you all do, God has blessed you. Because we live in a country where there is prosperity and opportunity. But God wants you to be wise with what you have. He wants you to live with integrity and do the right thing. And this means living sensibly. So in 2012... 
we bought a house. We told our realtor we want a move-in ready turnkey house. We ended up getting a fixer-upper and we were without a kitchen for three months and we were doing renovations for six months. This is what happened when we went into that house. We were like, well, we'll just do a little bit at a time. But you won't go into the house and you want things right away. We started then to do a renovation. We did a kitchen renovation that cost way more than what we thought. We started to do this and we started to do that. But we did not have the capital to do it. So we started to go into debt and take out some home improvement loans and some different loans and some credit cards in order to pay for our house. And this is how we justified it. Well, we're making investments on our house. But the reality is for the last three years, the weight of that debt has weighed down on us. It's become a focus for us to get rid of that debt. See, I believe I look back on my life then and I'm like, we were not that wise with what God had given us. We spent more than what we had. We went into debt, so now we've paid in interest more than what actually was worth in the beginning. Look at this. This is what Jesus said. And, and he was talking about making disciples. But it's, it's still relevant for what we're talking about. In Luke chapter 14, verses 28 to 30, 30 Jesus said this. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating costs to see if you have enough money to finish it. He says, otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everybody would laugh at you. We don't want that. Verse 30 says, then they would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. But how often do we do that? We, do, we go into things, we go into houses, we buy cars, uh, and we buy this and we buy that. And, and, and our reality is this, is we can't afford it now, but, but I'll go into some debt to get it. And we're not being wise with what God has given us. See, a sensible person calculates the cost. They are wise, they don't overextend themselves. They take into account the worst case scenario. And they don't spend what they don't have. They also work hard to earn what they need. They don't waste their money. It's a touchy subject, I know, but they don't waste their money on things like the lottery or pyramid schemes. I'm not going to ask how many bought a lottery ticket. The reality is the more people bought lottery tickets, the less chance you had of winning it. So there was no point in buying one in the first place. Don't count on pyramid schemes or the, the lottery to, 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 to make you wealthy. See, the wise and sensible person realizes this. There's no quick way to get rich. In fact, the Proverbs say this. Proverbs 10.4 says, lazy people are soon poor. Hard workers get rich. You ask anybody who has made well for themselves, and this is the first thing they'll say, we worked hard. We worked hard. You're not going to get rich by sitting on your butt watching ESPN. I wish you could, <laughs> but you're not. Proverbs 13, 11 tells this, says, rich, oh, sorry, wealth from get rich, get rich schemes quickly disappears. Wealth from hard work grows over time. Let me tell you, you people in your 20s, Quit looking at people in their 40s and wishing you could live like them right now. 
It's not going to happen. Wealth grows over time. People in your 30s, quit looking at people in their 50s thinking, I wish I could have what they have. I wish I had the big house what they had. I wish I could drive the cars they had. I wish I could go to the restaurants they have. Let me tell you, wealth only grows over time. Be wise and, and, and walk in integrity with what God has given you right now. So the Bible tells us that money is about freedom. God wants you to be free. He wants you to be wise and live in integrity. And then the third thing that God wants is this. He wants you to be generous. God wants you to use what you have for his good. Whether you have a little or you have a lot, all of us have something. And God wants you to use that something for his purposes and his good. See, in the kingdom of God, there's something called equal sacrifice. What it means is that we don't come to church and we have like a membership fee and like you go to the country club, like you go to Maryland Golf and Country Club and you pay for your 500 bucks a year, uh, sorry, a month. I wish it was 500 bucks a year, 500 bucks a month and, and, and everybody pays the same. See, that isn't the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is this equal sacrifice. It means that each of us need to make sacrifices for God. What it means is that for some of you this morning, even just tithing, and we talked about this back in in November, tithing 10% is a huge sacrifice for you. But some of you, 10% is not a sacrifice. And you know what God's going to do? God's going to look at you and you're like, yeah, I gave my 10%. But God says, but where was the sacrifice? Where was the sacrifice? See, God wants you to be generous with what you have. See, for some... Here this morning, the, the thought of making a sacrifice just kind of just, oh, just uh, gets right in with you. Because money has become your focus. But when, when money becomes a tool that you can be generous with, God starts blessing you more and more. There's a parable in the Bible. It's called the parable of the talents. And basically, I'll paraphrase it very quickly, that God, says, uh, Jesus gave this parable, and then there was a master who left uh, ten talents to, uh, sorry, five talents to one guy, three talents to another, and one talent to one. And, and, and basically, the master says, do be wise with this and, and, and take care of my money. And, and what happened is the guy with the five uh, talents, he made them into ten. The guy with the three made them into six. And the guy with the one talent, this is what he did. He buried it in the ground. He didn't do anything with it. And the master came back and he said to the one guy who buried it, he says, he says you bad servant, you fool. Why? Because he had entrusted a talent to that man and that man did nothing with it. See, what has God given to you? What does God want you to manage, to steward what we would call in church steward? Meaning, what, what has God given to you that, 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 that you have and he wants you to use it for his purposes? See, Proverbs 3, 9 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of your produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the 
best part of your produce. So it's not just like, oh man, I, got, I went to Starbucks and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't get my, like, uh, my vente. I just got like a tool and I saved like a, a buck. And uh, yeah, let's give this to the Lord. No, the God wants the best part of your produce because he has entrusted you. See, the Bible is very clear about giving the first tenth. But he also wants you to be generous to those in need as well. Those within the church and within the community. The Bible tells us in, in Acts chapter 4 and verse 34, it says that in the very first church, there was nobody in need because people sold what they had and gave to those in need. I think that's amazing that they, they did something like that. Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 7 tells us this. It says, give generously to the poor, not grudgingly, for the Lord will bless you in everything that you do. See, God is a generous God. He has given you so much. And the solution to greed is generosity. And this year, this is one thing I've been praying since the beginning of the year. God bless my family and bless this church financially. Bless the people of this church financially. Not so we can all get rich and drive big cars. Have our pickups. Why? So that we can be more generous to a world that is lost in sin. And when we reach out our hand in generosity, do you know what happens? They take us by the hand and they thank us and they open their hearts up to us. See, generosity is the heart of God. See, money can have such a hold on our lives. But God wants money to be something that you control, not that controls you. See, being diligent and generous with our money is not only wise, but it melts the heart of God. And when you trust in God more than you trust in your possessions, this is what happens. God can't help but give and give and give to you. My last scripture I'm going to read, Matthew chapter 19, verse 21. Jesus said this. Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be perfect, who wants to be perfect? Who wants a perfect spouse? Tell your spouse this one. If you want to be perfect, go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have a treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. This is what basically Jesus is saying. He said, that what you have isn't your own. He says, if you want to follow me and, and, you, and you want me to take care of your life and, 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 and give you all that you have in life and you want life and life to the full, then it's got to be about me and not about that money and possessions. So I ask you today, are you guys ready to become hashtag financially fit? Are you ready to be financially fit? Do you want to live in freedom? Do you want to live financially free where the weight of money isn't, isn't just tearing you down every day? Do, do you want to live a life that is wise and full of integrity that God looks and blesses? Do you want to be generous people that people look at you and like, wow, I want to be like that person. I want to be able to give and open up my life like that person can. Are you ready to admit that the, that the American dream is a little overrated, but God's plan is perfect. Forget the American dream. Start living with God's plan. 
at the end of your life, you'll have so much more. See, we may love this idea, but this is what you're saying to me today. Alex, I know. I want to be financially free. I want to be wise and full of integrity with my money. I want to be generous, but this is the reality. My income is less than my bills. My credit cards and my mortgage and my car loans are just drowning me over. I can't even see. My current situation is just overwhelming. If that's you, then we've got a solution for you today. We are starting a campaign at the end of this month called Financial Peace University. And it is a, I think it's a nine-week class, class that we're going to do on Sunday nights. And it's all about helping you to become financially free. I think uh, millions of people all throughout the world have done this and, and done this class. And, and just the stories are amazing. I think in the first 90 days, it's something crazy like people you know, save like $2,500 and pay off like 5000 in debt. Something crazy like that. And this is something that we want to do for you. So there's this quick video I want you to take a look and what Financial Peace University is all about. Take a look at this. Financial peace. We all want it. For a while, I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help and I learned how to handle money his way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. So we're going to be starting this on February 28th, and I encourage every single person here, whether you have a lot of money or you don't have much, whether you know, you're financially pretty free or you're not, the principles that we are going to learn through this are going to be amazing. It's not something that I'm teaching. It's a guy, Dave Ramsey, that you saw who has become a very, very successful man, but he, his principles, he's going to teach you some of these principles. They are godly, biblical principles. Now, I will say there is a cost involved, and we don't have you know, any control over that. It's, it's all done through financial peace. But this is what I believe. It is, there is a cost involved, but the cost is well worth it. And this is what I'm willing to do personally myself and what we are willing to do as a church. I think everybody should pay their way, but there's some of you. You financially, you are in such dire straits that even just the fee of this, and it's not a huge fee, but the fee of this is just so much for you. So personally, myself, I, I'm going to pay for two sponsorships of two families to go through this. 
and we are one income family, but I believe in this so much and believe that, that it will bring you to a place of financial freedom. And then there's some other sponsorships that, that we will give to some of you. Not everybody, because some of you, you really do have to pay your own way because you just, some of you just, you've got money, but you're just not that wise with it. But others, you are in a financial situation. So this is what, what I, I, I want you guys to do. At the end of the service today, there is a sign-up sheet over at uh, the sign-up table. Uh, if you could sign up for Financial Peace and uh, we'll contact you and we'll tell you how to register and, and, and get involved. Uh, it's going to be taught by Jim and Jill Fischetti and uh, they are a great couple if you haven't had a chance to meet them, meet them yet and very wise and uh, they've been through this. He's, he's a coach in this as well. Um, and then if you feel that you sponsorship and uh, there are some right next to the sign-up sheet there's some sponsorship things fill it out put it in the in the basket and uh, we'll talk you through and we'll contact you and, uh, and and we'll make sure that you can go through go through this but I encourage everybody in this room to go through it we're not this semester we're not having small groups because I believe this is so important and so this is going to take place as small groups this semester um, because we want you guys to be financially free. And because when you are financially free, life is so much better, so much easier.